Hi, and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spoopy movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Katie. And I'm Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast. And this Woo! week, woohoo! And this week we watch the movie The Lodge. Yes, yes, we sure did. And I feel like, is this, I keep wanting to make this episode 10, but this may actually be episode 9 now, I think we're on. Uh, No, we're way past that, because the one we released, Fight Club, is episode 8. Dogtooth is episode 9. What? Uh, The next one is episode 10. So our double feature is episode 10. So this is episode, like, 11? Yeah, what? Well, we, we skipped a week of recording because it was Memorial Day week and we were both exhausted. And uh, this is my first week back to working my day job. So I might sound more tired than usual. So forgive me. I'm drinking coffee at night at eight o'clock at night. That's not good. But I thought it was better than a Red Bull to try to actually be <laughs> like energetic. It's fine. Uh, yeah, so how have you been, Brittany? Anything exciting or fun going on in your life? Yeah, well, you know, you, you're going back to work, and we are closing on our first home. Woohoo! Uh, super exciting. It is super stressful, and I'm just, like, I'm tired. It's just, like, you know, it's, it, it feels like every day. It's kind of like when you're planning a wedding. It's like, who are you paying today, or who are you talking today, or who, what are you signing today? <laughs> so, I got this movie from several sources, but one of them was Amanda the Jedi, the YouTube channel. She was the one that I first heard about Nightingale through. I don't think that's how Brittany... I think you had heard of Nightingale before, too, yeah. but she she said The Lodge was pretty good. But a lot of people said it's frustrating, and I was like, okay... And ironically, I didn't realize this, but Riley, I think we agreed her name's either Ko or Keo. Uh, she's also in this movie, which I didn't know because she looks totally different. So she's in this movie. Also, apparently, the cinematographer uh, is one that works with Yorgos Lanthimos a lot. So mm-hmm. there's a dog tooth uh, tie there, too. So Themios, yeah, he did. I don't know how to Bacatacus? Bacatacus. I'm going to be brave, but he does pretty much he did Dogtooth and pretty much all of Yorgos Lanthimos movies. So, the cinematographer is the same as a couple of our movies so that we've done. And uh so we ended up watching The Lodge. And uh, of course, we're going to be kind of spoiler-free at the beginning, but we'll get into spoilers and we'll tell you when that's it. But first, if you want to know what it's about, I did I did I do have a little synopsis for you. The Lodge is a 2020 psychological horror film from the directing team of Goodnight Mommy, Severin Fiala, and Veronica Franz. 
After their happy family falls apart, siblings Mia and Aiden are unhappy to learn that not only does their dad want to marry the girlfriend he left their now-deceased mother for, but he wants them all to spend Christmas together in a secluded mountain lodge. The girlfriend in question, Grace, has a dark past that still haunts her. When Richard leaves his children with the mentally fragile Grace, will they come together as family or be torn apart as enemies? Guess you'll have to watch to find out or listen. Yes. Um, I really liked, I liked a lot of this movie. But I also didn't like a lot of this movie. I didn't hate it. But there's just, I don't know. I picked it, so I'll go through, like, the casting. So Riley Keough, we know. She uh, not only is Elvis Presley's granddaughter, but she also was in several, I didn't realize how many indie films she did, but she's, like, the indie queen and she was in um, Under the Silver Lake as, was it Sarah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The girl that Sam falls in love with. The girl next door that he goes all over Hollywood for. And then the kid that played Aiden. So there's two siblings. There's Aiden and Mia. Aiden's a little bit older. He played Bill in the It movies, the newer ones. Yeah. So that's how I, I was like, why do I know that face? And I was like, oh, it's her mitt. Okay. And then the little girl who plays the other sister, Mia, has been in stuff, but not a ton of things, because she's a lot younger. Um, Both of them, I think, did a really great job. Both of the kid actors, I was surprised. On a side note, real quick, I just had to say this. I told Taylor, Taylor actually watched this movie with me, and I was like, that little girl would make a perfect live-action Helga from Hey Arnold. Oh, yeah, she would. She kind of looks like Helga. She She looks like a normal kid. Richard Armitage plays the dad who they named Richard. I think they also named the little girl Mia. Like they let people keep their first names for a lot and of the characters. Le- Leah and Mia. So the actress is named Leah. And so and oh, it, that's was, what it is. And Jaden and Aiden. So there's a lot of yeah. like rhyming. Which, so in Goodnight Mommy, the two twin boys, Lucas and I can't remember the other kid's name, was basically like they had the same first name that they actually have in real life. Their characters did. Um, so basically, so apparently Richard Armitage was in all the Hobbit movies, which I'm sorry, I did watch all the Lord of the Rings movies, but I haven't watched any of the new Hobbit movies because I couldn't understand why you would stretch that book out into three movies. Mm -hmm. I love you, Peter Jackson. You're great. I love you. Also, if you didn't know, he's the Santa Claus that stabs, uh, Agent Angel in Hot Fuzz. That's Peter Jackson, if you didn't know. Uh, it's an uncredited cameo. I love every every time I watch Hot Fuzz, which is many, many times. Which I want to do the Cornetto trilogy, by the way. I would love to do the Cornetto trilogy. Um, but which is which is all the Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and I still haven't seen at World's End, but I really want to see it. Which I don't know if it really fits for us because it's not they're not really like indie movies. Like they may have started out that way. But uh, they're not really anymore. Uh, anyways, so Richard was in those. But he was also in a TV show that I watched recently called The Stranger. Which had some, wasn't great. Like there were parts of it that were really corny and stuff. But he was really good in it. And I kept watching it. I watched the whole thing. Like I didn't stop watching it. So it was really good. And he's also, apparently he was in Ocean's 8, but I don't see that. I've never seen that. But he was also in the Hannibal TV series, which I don't remember who he played. Yeah. But I yeah. saw the first couple seasons of that, and I really liked it. 
And he was also in Castlevania, like the TV series, like the um, Netflix anime. anime. Yeah, yeah, the animated one that came out on Netflix a couple years ago. And he plays Trevor Belmont, which is the main character. Yes, yes, because the Belmont family. So I was like, oh, okay. So he's been, because I kept seeing him and I was like, why do I know his face? And he was in The Stranger. And he's a really cool voice. He is British, but he does a pretty good American accent, I gotta say. But my favorite character that was in this movie was actually uh, who played Laura, because it was Alicia Silverstone uh, from Clueless fame. She's not in the movie for a very long time. She's only in the movie for a little bit. But she was very good. And it's nice to see her, like, not only still get work, but get work in a serious production, because... I think the last thing I saw her, like a commercial for her being in a preview, was this terrible remake of one of my favorite movies that I thought I would hate, but I actually love. A Nicolas Cage flick from the 80s called Valley Girl. They've remade it. Oh, wow. It's not good. Logan Paul is in it. And he's not a main character. He's like the jerky boyfriend, which he fits. But they also made it a musical. But it doesn't sound like they have the the theme song in it, which is I Melt With You. Yes. Which is a classic. The old one was a cult classic. Like, it was on the Criterion Collection at some point, for some reason. I'm not really sure why. But it's just my friend Elizabeth. Hey, Elizabeth. She was the one that recommended me to watch Valley Girl. I don't really like the 80s, but I do like Brat Pack movies. Like, I like 80s culture, but I think the fashion was hideous. It just was. But um, I love Valley Girl. What they do to this, instead of just telling the story, they put a framing device where Alicia Silverstone is the mom of a girl who, like, broke up with her boyfriend. And she's like, let me tell you the story of when I was a kid. And it looks really stupid. So, it looks heinous. Also, they're like, they're, um, okay, again, I sing and I don't like auto-tune. I hate auto-tune. It doesn't sound like a human. It sounds like a robot singing. And I can tell the difference. And they're using auto-tune all over the place. And it's a musical. But the kids can't sing very well. So why have a musical? Like, it's just a gimmick. Like, it's just, it's bad. So that's the last thing I saw commercial for Alicia Silverstone in. And I was a little upset. But this movie, she gives a very powerful but short performance as a very um, upset person and it's really sad but um yeah I was it was nice to see Alicia Silverstone in a role um yeah and also by the way uh Danny Keough who's uh Riley Keough's dad actually plays her character's dad in the movie I was like that's fun yeah (laughs) awesome um yeah and then the director's I've heard a couple things about them apparently Veronica used to babysit Severin, and now they direct movies together. I don't think they're, like, romantically attached. I think they're just directors. Like, they're just a directing team. And so I find clarification on that, because I heard that on one channel that they, you know, that she used to babysit him. But then I also heard on another channel that she's his nephew, that he's her nephew. Well, maybe he is. I mean, that the two aren't mutually ex- exclusive. But I find it interesting. Yeah. That, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cute. You know, kind of like friends. Um, I really thought I was going to really like this movie. Mm-hmm. Because it has all the things I love in it. It has, like, 
a little true crime. Like the dad is like, I guess he's like a novelist on like cults and true crime. And it's got family drama and it's got like a creepy lodge, like the shining. They make a lot of references to the shining. The dog in the movie's name is Grady, like Mr. Grady from the shining. I thought that was cool. I was thinking Grady from the thing. Oh, is there a Grady in the thing? I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, so and there's Kurt two Russell's Grady's. character. Kurt and Russell. they watched the thing in the in the movie. They're yeah. watching the thing. And Jack Frost, which I didn't really watch as a kid, but my boyfriend <laughs> was rolling too. So okay. Um, but I yeah, I don't know. What, what did you think without without getting into spoilers, what did you think, Brittany? What's your overall like feeling? My overall opinion is that this is one of the few, few movies I've seen in my life that I can appreciate what they're doing. I can appreciate the atmosphere of it. Um, I don't want to get into spoilers, but I will, like, say what exactly I did like about it. Yeah. I can appreciate what they're doing, but I didn't like the movie. Yeah. I I like the beginning of the movie. And I like the end of the movie. The middle got kind of boring and I honestly almost fell asleep now it wasn't completely the movie's fault because I decided to watch it like when I was still not when I was still furloughed for my job so I didn't really have anything better to do and I was kind of tired I think I had been editing the night before and I I was kind of like laying down in bed watching it and I could feel myself drifting off to sleep and I was like oh no I can't go to sleep um so, but there's one very specific part that just, I don't understand why it's in it, and it seemed kind of pointless, and there's some stuff, like, I wish they did more stuff with the cult, like, there is, there's a psychological, oh, I didn't even say this, because I didn't want to give spoilers, I guess it's it's pretty much in the first act, yeah. so, I think it's, it's very yeah. on purpose that Grace's name is Grace, because it's a very religious name, and religion plays a really big part in this movie, um, because the mother, Alicia Silverstone, and the kids seem to be very Catholic, uh, very religious. Um, in the beginning, the dad asks for a divorce from the mom, and she, I don't want to spoil anything, but she does not react well. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up Catholic, and not to go too Catholic on anybody, but there's a, obviously, the the filmmakers are Austrian. I think they're Austrian, yes, because... The movie Goodnight Mommy was in Austria. Yeah, they're from Vienna, Austria. Good. So uh, I was, there's a little bit in Goodnight Mommy because because I was curious about the filmmakers, I ended up watching Goodnight Mommy too just to get kind of a feel for their other films because they've only really done a few. And um, they do a good job of talking about things that are very Catholic, like purgatory is a very Catholic thing. I think probably Episcopalians and Anglicans have that too, but uh, Protestants kind of just don't even talk about purgatory. And if you don't know what purgatory is, purgatory, it's not a place, but it's a state of being. And this is just like, this is my uh, catechism that was taught to me. I took 12 years of Catholic school, so they might've changed it since I went to school because I haven't been in Catholic school for a good while. But basically, purgatory is if you're a good person, but maybe you had some minor sin that you're not perfect enough. Like, not, I don't want to say perfect enough to go to heaven, but maybe like your soul needs to be cleansed a little bit. It's like a waiting area for heaven, basically. It means you're still going to go to heaven and you're in a good place, 
but maybe maybe you did something bad, but you're like, maybe your score was 75%, but it requires a 95% to get straight into heaven. So you have to like be on a waiting list for a little while. If you don't believe in this, that's fine. So in the old church, if your baby wasn't baptized, but it died, or maybe it was stillborn, people were really like questioning where do babies go if they weren't baptized because they're so innocent they have to go to heaven but they weren't baptized so they kind of figured there must be a waiting area for souls who weren't baptized but were good people or like if you aren't christian but you were a good person and lived by a moral compass like are you gonna go to hell for that that seems a little extreme you know like god doesn't really seem to like i just don't think god would send people to hell because they were Buddhist if they were a good person. You know, that just seems weird. So, the, the purgatory is a big thing in this movie. I won't explain why. Also, um, I'll talk about a little more because I don't want to get into spoilers. But, so the kids and the mom are very religious. But healthy religious. Like, they don't seem to be crazy religious. Like, they have crucifixes all over their house, but I have crucifixes all over my house because I'm Catholic. I don't know. We give each other crucifixes for stuff. I have, like, a holy water fount when you walk in my front door because it was given to me for my confirmation. It's a Hummel one. It's beautiful. I love it. So, like, I, I have a crucifix in my bedroom. I have, like, merry things in my house, but I also, like, am not a crazy cult leader. Um, But Grace, who very obviously has a religious name because grace is a very religious name uh she had a very toxic relationship with religion and her dad was a cult leader and uh she was the only survivor of a suicide cult basically and so she's gotten healthy she's gotten like her mental health together and she seems to be a normal person but the dad meets her while he's writing a book about her dad's cult so that was interesting. I think obviously they reference like Heaven's Gate and I got a big David Koresh Branch Davidians vibe from her dad. But like the way you see the video of the bodies being discovered because I guess she was taping it for like to be a whatever a witness or something to the suicide, which I think Heaven's Gate did that. They did let some people stay alive so they could like show everybody what happened. Um, but, uh, it looks very much like how people found the, um, Heaven's Gate cult, but the vibe of the cult sounds more like, like, what was that, uh, what was that terrible branch of the fundamentalist Mormons? Um, oh, what was his name? Oh, the guy that had all the child wives. And now I can't remember his name, but if you know about like the fundamentalist FDLS church that what they were basically having child brides and stuff like they're all dressed like that but it's more of a david koresh feel like waco texas david koresh branch branch davidians so i like that because i've always been interested in cults and not i don't want to join one um but i remember when i was a little girl my dad told me i was like learning about cults for the first time and i was like well what makes a cult and a religion like what's the difference and he my dad's very rational Although he's very religious, he's a very, he's a science, he has a geology degree, he's very rational. He was just like, well, technically, Katie, definition-wise, uh, cult and religion is pretty much the same thing. Anyone from the outside might view us as being in a cult, but intention is really what matters. And what makes a cult is how controlling they are and how little free will you get. 
And most religions, at least good religions, you know, preach free will and the fact that you have a choice in your life. But they might, you know, restrict your choices a little bit. But I like, that was a, a ongoing theme in the movie, which I thought is a good topic because a lot of people, I don't know if people really think about that, but that's always been a topic I've always found interesting is when does religion cross into cult territory? You know, it's it's definitely before the suicide because something happened to make them all commit suicide. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's kind of like, so I liked a lot of this movie, but and I'll get into spoiler territory when I say why, but there's just, it kind of like in the middle it gets kind of weird and it goes on a little too long with certain parts and the ending i i like the ending but i also feel like they could have done a little bit more with the ending um but goodnight mommy was kind of like that too like the ending was kind of i don't want to spoil the ending for goodnight mommy but there was a lot of build up and there was a twist at the end of goodnight mommy which have you seen goodnight mommy yet no but i know about it which, by the way, in German, the name means I see, I see, which makes a whole lot more sense than Goodnight Mommy. But I think Goodnight Mommy was just a little creepier in English. Yeah. Um, but it's because it's Ixe, Ixe, and that's I see, I see. German sounds like just really weird English, by the way. So if you ever want to learn, German's grammar is really hard. But if you ever want to learn a language that sounds like English, learn German. So it's really hard with the tenses, but... It basically sounds like weird English, so it's a little easier to understand. I'm going to stop talking for a little bit because Brittany needs to talk too. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I was just listening. And um, so, yeah, I didn't know if you want to officially kind of get into spoiler territory because I think a lot of what I like, um, I don't think I'll be able to talk about kind of without spoiling. Okay. Movie. I will say if it's on Hulu right now. This movie's on yeah. Hulu. And if you want to see good acting and kind of a creepy The Shining vibe, it's not. It's definitely not as good as The Shining, but it's it's a decent watch. Uh, like a, I think it's a decent watch, and some people might get bored by it, but the beginning's really like interesting, and the ending's really interesting. So there's, you could probably fast forward through the middle, honestly. I'm just going to be honest. You can fast forward through the middle and have a decent movie. So, but I would recommend seeing it if you like things like The Shining and the thing where people are isolated. It's interesting. And the acting's very well done. Everybody is very well done. And it looks good. The, yeah. the visuals are very good. But wasn't 100%. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely not. Um, it's, yeah. You want to officially get into a spoiler? Spoilers. Okay. Yes. Let's let's officially get into spoilers. Spoilers. Go watch the movie if you don't want to be spoiled. If you're okay with being spoiled, I'm gonna let Brittany talk about her spoiler stuff first, though, because I've been talking for a little bit. So no, um, I guess, and that's fine. Um, so you could definitely touch more in on the um religious aspect of the movie, just because I feel like I was raised. If this makes any sense, I feel like this is probably how a lot of young Americans are raised. So I was kind of raised by a mother and a father. My father was raised Pentecostal. My mother was raised Baptist. Oh, oh, honey. Well, my dad wasn't like a practicing Pentecostal. But there are certain things that comes up that I am reminded that he was raised Pentecostal. Um, So... But we were raised to believe in God, and there were certain things we were kind of raised and taught, but we didn't really go to church every Sunday. We more 
earlier part of my childhood, we went to church mainly for Christmas and Easter. It's a whole long thing. Um, oh, no, but, we, we have a name for them in Catholic church, Easter Christmas Catholics. Okay. <laughs> church is always packed during Easter and Christmas. But every every other, but my family was, I went to Catholic school. My dad converted. My dad grew up in Church of God. They're very much, we're going to heaven and nobody else's. And they like speak in tongues and stuff. Yes. And my mom did go to church with his family once. And she said it scared the crap out of her. Because in Catholic church, you pretty much stay seated and just say the same prayers. And everyone stays in their seat. Now, I went to, I grew up in a Southern Catholic church. And a church that, I think I mentioned this, was like, uh, it was like an African-American missionary church originally. So like there's a lot of gospel music and like Southern influence in the church I grew up in when we moved to Alabama. But if I go went to my grandparents' church in Ohio, it was very much just like a bunch of like old people like la, 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 and singing. So, but my dad didn't really like the vibe of like, you're going to burn in hell if you don't believe what we believe. And Catholicism seems to be like that, but if you actually study it, it's a lot more accepting, surprisingly, because it's a whole lot of guilt. But it's surprisingly because forgiveness is the biggest thing of Catholicism, because reconciliation is when you go, you know, I have, I'm not very good about going to reconciliation because I'm like, can I just tell God directly what I did wrong? Like, I feel like that should be okay. And for some reason, you have to go to a priest. And I kind of have a problem with that. But, you know, that's my own personal chip on my shoulder. It's fine. Um, Forgiveness is a huge thing in Catholic Church. So, like, so like, I mean, the good thing about Catholic Church is, you know, you could do something terrible and confess. And as long as you do penance for it, you're forgiven. Thing. I don't know. I'm sorry. I went on a Catholic tangent. Please tell me, though, what you were telling. I was trying to let you know, like, I get it, because my dad grew up kind of Pentecostal, and he's he didn't really like it very much. Yeah, and um, there's a lot of things I, I always joke um, that I take from just my, bits of my parents, and then also just, I also have some Buddhist beliefs, but that's a completely different subject for another day. Um, ironic because I said the thing about Buddhism I didn't know that but Buddhism yeah. is cool because Buddhism also is like striving to be a better person exactly. like there's positive things in a lot of religions and that's why I think I like Buddhism so much is that there's so much positivity to the religion so I think that's where I kind of see a lot of what they're talking about and believe a lot of what they're talking about um but the thing that kind of struck me and so um you know spoiler alert for the very beginning of the movie and I saw this coming I swear to god as soon as so um what Katie was referring to um so very, very early on in the movie, um, you know, the mom drops her children off at her husband's house. And he's like, I want to speed up the divorce. I want to marry Grace. Um, and she goes home and she's sitting at the table. She has a glass of wine. And there's just like this atmospheric tension. And I was like, she's going to kill herself. And mm-hmm. sure point, she takes that gun out of her purse and she shoots herself. Yep. And it's very sudden. It's very real. And I think that was a, on. The sen- it was a shock to the senses, but you knew yep. it was coming. You yeah, know. as soon as she started, uh, she's, like, straightening up her, like, foyer table, all the books on it. She's, like, making it straight. And I was, like, oh, she's preparing for something. Yeah. Oh, no. Also, like, she took off her necklace. Yeah. Which comes back later. Um, her, like, religious necklace. It's like a cross. Which, did you notice that Grace was wearing a non-religious necklace at all times? Even when she and Richard are getting it on at the cabin, she's wearing this pearl necklace. 
But then the mom also was wearing a necklace. And I was like, oh, but her the mom was more religious. So she's wearing a religious necklace. And Grace is anti-religious. So she's wearing like a non-religious necklace. I don't know if it was just... But I, just the fact that she was naked and still wearing it. I was like, oh, she always wears it. Have you also... Have, I don't really feel this for myself. I was wondering how you feel. I hear a lot of people say that Riley Kilo looks like a younger version of Alicia Silverstone. Do you feel that way? Because there's a lot of people who are like, he's marrying a younger version of their mother. And that's another reason. And I don't feel like the two women look alike to me. Other than, no. maybe, you know, maybe having some same coloring, like hair color, eye color, but not really. Both white ladies. I mean, like, I, mean, I was like, they're both white and they have yeah. long hair. And and Riley, Riley Keough's hair is like up all the time in this movie, too. So she really doesn't look like her. And Alicia Silverstone's very blonde still. Yeah. And I don't think. I, I mean. I thought it was kind of creepy that Grace is obviously like in her t- early twenties, and the dad and the and the mom are like in their late forties, and they're both like good looking, but that's a huge age gap. Yeah, you kind of, I kind of get the feeling, you know, this is my favorite terms. I kind of get the feeling Richard's a little bit of a fuckboy. Yeah. <laughs> I, if anybody is to be hated in this movie, it is Richard. I mean, I don't think he's the worst person ever, but he's obviously very callous yeah. because. He's been married to his wife for years. They've been married for many, many years. They seem really happy because we see some family videos at some point. Um, Because the kids are, like, trying to just, like, dig it into the, to Grace, the new mommy, that we had a happy family and you ruined it. Because they completely blame her. And I don't really blame them. Because from a kid's perspective, I remember, and I don't really, I don't really get to talk to this friend a lot anymore, but... I had a really, really close friend who lived in the same town I did and her family went to the same church I did. And so we went to the same school, obviously was a school friend. We were really, really close. And her family had to move for her dad's job to a different state that was nearby, but like four hours away. So she would still come and visit and I would still see her because she'd come to church with her grandparents and stuff. But um, about a year after she and her family moved to a different state um her dad left her mom for i'm gonna call her bimbo because i don't really remember her but me and my sister saw her dad in the midst of the divorce like making out with her at american eagle in the mall and he would try he was like he was like a really fun friend's dad and so she her aunt and uncle were getting married and they invited me to the wedding so I came with her as like a friend and the dad tried to like joke around with me and I was like 12 but he tried to joke around with me like everything was normal and I just like I was like get I didn't want him to touch me I didn't want to be friendly with me I blamed him because their family wasn't perfect but he hurt the family by being selfish yeah. And I, I mean, if you know me, you know, I'm, I forgive people for a lot of shit, but I do not like people that are adulterers or cheaters or anything like that. I think it's the worst form of betrayal. And I'm very, I'm, I'm I can be really harsh and judgmental about stuff. So I'm sorry if it sounds harsh. I get that sometimes things happen, but if you want to cheat on your spouse, lead your spouse. Yeah. No, I feel I feel a similar way, and I know there's things that that do happen. But I also think about when you're children. Um, I know when I was a child, 
often if my mom or my dad didn't like somebody and that person was kind to me, I still would give them a cold shoulder. And that's just, you know, it would almost be like if your mom had a co-worker and she's like, you know, I don't, you know, you hear her say something to your, da your dad, like, oh, I don't really like the way she does this. And then she's like, oh, hi, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, whatever, lady, I'm on to you. My mom doesn't like you. Like, that's kind of like, I feel like, so these kids are really going for the ringer. So they probably already had the feeling that their mom didn't like Grace. And now that feeling was intensified by 100. So, I mean, they're yeah. mourning. And the mourning is so intense. I mean. It is. I got, I got midsummer vibes from the little girl crying. Yeah. And I think that was the part that was most heartbreaking to me. Is that I go back to when I was a child. And, you know, people people change and I don't know if my parents really have this quite same mindset but I was taught when I was a child that suicide was a sin and so her being so upset the idea of her mom not going to heaven that is a legitimate fear you yeah. have a child like a legitimate well, fear I wrote down some like very accurate catholic things in this movie but like that is a huge thing is that like no no the catholic church isn't like I don't think there's so much shaming suicide victims, but they definitely take the point of, like, it's not your place to take your own life. It's God's choice. So, and also, like, which, it sounds bad, but I, I get, I don't know how to phrase this. Like, I don't think, I think people that commit suicide obviously have terrible trauma. And yeah. there is something going on that they feel like they can't escape. But I also feel like, it's a very selfish act because you leave your entire family and friends with this just awful grief because everyone wonders what could I have done differently? How could I, I have helped? And they miss you. And, yeah. you know, I've had some depression issues in my life, but I've never been actually suicidal. I mean, I'm definitely like when I was a teenager, not now, but when I was a teenager, I definitely had some fleeting thoughts of like, well, just like, let them see when I'm gone kind of thing. But then, like, you think about it and you're like, this is temporary. Everything's temporary. It will get better. It does get better. Yeah. It really does. Um, so I when think, I, I always think of it. I'm so sorry. No, you're With, fine. And I know this is, like, a very deep subject. And it's probably not one we should dive too deep into. Because I feel like this is honestly something we could talk about for a long time. What I, the older I get, and I don't, it's not that I'm like, yeah, you're depressed, go kill yourself. No, never. I believe that if you need to take medication, you need to take medication. If you need to talk to a therapist, you need to talk to a therapist. Like, yes. whatever makes you feel physically, mentally better, do that for yourself. And please know there are people that love you and, you know, want yeah. you to be here, need to be here. But, you know, I also think about that, you know, depression is a mental illness. And, you know, cancer, cancer is physical. And so to me, it's almost like a disease of your mind that's taking you. And it's not really, it's in your hands, but it's not in your hands. Because it's literally your own brain is kind of turning, your body's turning against you. And that's what depression is. And if you don't always recognize the signs of it and get the help you need, then it's, it's almost like succumbing to anything else that's wrong with your body that you may not know to take, how to take care of. Um, and so that's yeah. where I... I, I it's, it's sad and I would never want anyone to commit suicide but I kind of feel bad thinking that it's just like these person these people are awful people because when you live with depression I'm clinically depressed I have I've, I've been diagnosed with depression since I was a child and I know in my mind what it feels like sometimes and 
you know your family and friends love you, but sometimes in your mind you're like, well, really they would be better off without me because I am a burden. And so. But you're not. Yeah. You're, not, you're, you're never you're a burden. Not. You have to know. And, you know, a lot of people who struggle with depression have someone in their life that will tell them you're not a burden and yeah. are always there for them. But if you don't have someone in your life to tell you you're not a burden, it's really hard to silence that voice that's telling you you're a burden. And I get that. Like, I do. And, you know, it's hard it is a, it is like, it's a, it's a disease. It's a mental disease. It's, I don't know how, but like our mental health in this country is really bad. Yeah. People don't want to go to therapy. People don't want to like report when somebody threatens another person. But then people are also so like guilted into not admitting they have a mental illness because yeah. it's so taboo or it was, I think it's getting better. Yeah. But I think, like, when people bring up, like, gun or suicide or just, like, murder in general, I'm like, it's not the weapon. It's not the kind of death. If somebody's willing to kill someone or another person, there is something mentally going on in their head that needs to be addressed. And hopefully, I mean, my my view, my harmonious view of the world is that we'll reach a place where people aren't ashamed of saying, I have a mental illness and I get help for it. And that's why this movie is interesting because, well, since we're in spoiler territory, Grace was raised in a cult. She obviously has a lot of mental distraught, PTSD. It's very hard to get um, deprogrammed from a cult. And she's been deprogrammed and she's she obviously seems like she's in a pretty good state, mental health. She doesn't seem super fragile at first but the more she's around religious stuff the more she remembers like the cult and everything and the kids you know it's used against her yeah and basically the question that i had is like i find it interesting that <laughs> how to phrase this i find it interesting to look at this movie and see the question of if you have a mental illness and you've gotten help and you've done the work and you've become a mentally healthy person are you still a smoking time bomb for when your medicine isn't there like are you a smoking gun that's going to go off like is anyone ever really mentally healthy i'm because this movie like she seems like she's on track she's fine yeah. But the kid, like, she gets mentally tortured and she doesn't have her pills anymore and she just snaps. And I don't know if I like that view of someone who has gotten their shit together and yeah. overcome something really adverse. Like, I kind of was like, I don't think they're trying to say all mental ill people are terrible and gonna murder people. But I do, like, I find it interesting that. You take, like, I mean, she's only off her pills for, like, four days. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like she's, and it is hard to get off antidepressants. I had, a like, someone recently in my life who was on antidepressants, and they just decided they didn't want to be dependent on it anymore, and they stopped kind of cold turkey, and it was rough for them. They had a rough couple of weeks, but they are okay right now. Um, But it's a hard thing getting off antidepressants. And I do know people that, not just them, there's, like, a couple, like, like YouTube channels I follow where like some of the people there like are like you know I was on antidepressants and even though it helped me like be stable and stuff eventually I felt like 
I needed to be myself and I needed to be dependent <laughs> on myself. And Grace is very dependent on her medication. She has like five different medicine bottles. And I'm a person who has a ton of medicine too. I take a lot of vitamins and a lot of allergy medicine. So no judgment, but she has a lot of medicine and she's very dependent on it. And she's, I think she puts up a really good front and that's kind of her downfall because the dad obviously thinks she's fine, but the kids are like, she's a psychopath. And they're, she's like, who told you that? And she's not, she's not a bad person. Like she seems like a nice person except for being an adulterer. Like, and that's not, I don't know if, I don't know if he had left his wife first and then she started dating him, but the kids just were blaming her. But it kind of seemed like, I don't know. It seemed like he left his wife for her. And that's how I felt too, is that he left her for her. And of course, like there's a lot of different factors that, you know, go into it. But of course the most hurtful one is that I think she is so young. Um, And not only that, but she was a victim. I mean, who... Who goes in and I mean obviously you know she had this life um she was in this cult she's probably taking years to try to heal and she's still not completely healed but like you said she's on track and this man is probably interviewing her about this book just decides to date her like to me that's almost taking advantage of the situation I would I don't like Richard I don't think he's a again I don't think he's evil but I think he's a selfish prick yeah and he doesn't really care that much about his kids. And he's stupid. Like, he that's another thing that bothers me. And I think that's a trope in scary movies of all kind. Um, is that, like, you just have a really stupid character that you're just like, what? Why? Like, Why? It's the so, kid obviously yeah. uncomfortable with her. And it's obviously, like, she's there for, like, I don't know, a day. And she falls for the eyes uh, trying to get the doll. Like, the kids aren't talking to her. And he still makes the decision, like... I mean, are you sure you you don't want me to to leave? Like, are you sure you don't want me to stay? She's literally hiding the damn bottle behind her back. And she's like, no, you can go. And he's like, okay, I'll be back in a couple days. Like, every every everything is pointing to that these people aren't prepared to be alone together. Like, he needs to be the buffer between them. And he still leaves. Yeah. And also, so not only does he leave his kids, who... Okay, here's one thing. If you are going to leave your kids with your girlfriend because you just want them to get along, leave them alone at dinner. Leave them alone for a day at Chuck E. Cheese. Don't leave them for four days in an isolated mountain lodge where the only thing that's holding her mental health together is a bag of pills. So I wonder if she lies to him and tells him, I don't have to take any pills. So at first I thought she was just putting them away so the kids didn't find them because it could be really dangerous if a kid found antidepressants or like you don't want a kid overdosing on Xanax, you know, Um, or if like she doesn't tell anybody she's on pills because she wants to, she she you know, she wants to be independent. She wants people to see her as a mentally healthy person because I'm sure the stigma of being seen as a mentally ill person who survived a cult is really hard. There's a, there's, oh, by the way, if you didn't know about this, I just found about this when Glam and Gore, Mikey from Glam and Gore, and she went to this hotel in Utah because this cult, and I can't remember the name of the family, there was a cult in Utah and the father committed suicide. He was like the leader of the cult and the mother and the eldest daughter through or voluntarily had all of their like seven or eight siblings jump off like a 16 like a 
seventh story building or something like of a hotel that they were staying at and they all committed suicide but the only person to survive was the oldest daughter who was helping her mom with all the younger siblings like throw them off the building and some of them went willingly too and she still thinks her dad is gonna come back like you would think like you would learn from that situation like grace did but no this in real life this girl still thinks her dad is jesus and is gonna come back so i wonder if they knew about that story too because but grace seems to be on the up and up and like i don't want to i'm not trying to mentally health shame anyone i've had mental health problems um i definitely like my mom is a nurse and she I mean, they talked about maybe putting me on, like, stabilizers when I was in high school, but it was one of those, like, I think it's manageable without, so I want to try it, and I didn't have to. And I, I think I've said this, but I did. I lost a friend when I was, like, 14, who was 13 when she died. So, like, that, I think, was more of what was going on with my mental health, was losing anybody that young can really take a toll on your mental health. It's really... It's hard. To, it's hard. It's hard. And I still think about it a lot. And I'm definitely like, I, I feel fine about it. Not fine. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not depressed about it, but it makes me sad that like every time I have a birthday, I can't help but think about that friend. I'm like, I wish she had a birthday too. So like, I mean, that's not the same as surviving a cult, but I've had mental health problems too. And, but I've luckily been able to deal with them without help from pills but I ha- I've gone and seen a therapist before like I kind of think I should see one more often but I do like it- it's nice to unburden to somebody and I think that's a big thing with Grace is like she doesn't unburden to anybody she the the dad asks hey is that cr- giant crucifix in the bedroom bothering you and she's like no no I'm fine I'm fine she like is the creepy Mary picture which Okay, my parents have one Jesus picture in their house, and it's like a really old picture that's been in the family for a while. And it the eyes definitely follow you everywhere you go in the hallway. It's just one of those pictures where it's just the angles just like that. So we always joke about the 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 creepy Jesus picture. But this one, like this Mary picture is like dark and creepy. And uh yeah, I was like, I would not leave this in my house. Like, I'm sorry, I would not leave this thing in my house. Um like, but she keeps, like, pretending like it's fine. And, like, I think that's another thing. Maybe that's what they were trying to say is, like, if you have issues with your mental health, it's it's okay to tell people, I have issues with my mental health. Like, I'm not feeling comfortable with this. I'm okay. But she doesn't. She's just like, yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm sure she wants to be fine. But it's okay to not be fine. I think that's the biggest part of, like, the mental health crisis is people don't think that it's okay to not be fine. Sometimes it's okay if you just need to cry yourself a good cry. It's okay to be depressed as long as you know that you're worth something and you matter and you're still here with us. Like, it's okay to go through temporary patches of sadness. And I think a lot of people with clinical depression have that where they're just like, I just feel sad. Oh, yeah. And I do, I, I feel sad a lot and I, and I get anxious. I feel you on that. I get, I get anxiety attacks and I hate them. It's awful. You're just like, I I can't like Taylor. And it's funny. It's not really funny, but it's kind of funny being married to a person that just literally not saying that Taylor is absolutely perfect, but he's the closest you can get to perfect where he just, he just, he, he doesn't, his brain doesn't work like mine does. So like, he's just like, I had a bad day and it's okay. And it's going to be better tomorrow. Like he, he doesn't have anxiety. 
He doesn't get depressed. He's just kind of, he's just Taylor. He just can roll on into a new day. Um, but you're and, also like, you put up something, you put up such an optimistic attitude towards other people. You're so encouraging. I'm just going to brag on Brittany. Brittany's like one of the most encouraging people I've ever met. Every time, so Brittany was a directing major and I was a performance major. And every time I was in a play, she, even if it wasn't a really good play, she's just like, oh my God, you're amazing. You're fabulous. You're wonderful. She was very close with me. She was friends with my boyfriend before I knew my boyfriend. And she was always like so encouraging of him. And Brittany's just like the most encouraging person ever. She just has the sweetest heart. So when like I hear when Brittany's like, I get depressed and I don't think I'm, I'm like, you're worth so much because you make people feel so happy by how supportive you are. I don't think there's anybody from our group of friends, even people we haven't talked to for years that would ever say, I don't like Brittany because (laughs) everybody likes Brittany because Brittany just is like the nicest, sweetest person ever. And it's true. No, it's honestly true. I'm not, I don't lie to people. I can't, I literally can't lie. I'm sorry. Did I make you cry? I'm sorry. It's it's true though. You're like the night I made Brittany cry, but it was good tears, I think. So but literally, Brittany's, like, the most encouraging person ever. So, like, when you say, like, I don't feel like I'm worth it, it, like, breaks my fucking heart. Because I'm like, but you are. Because, like, you're such a great person. Like, and I mean, you are. You really are. And you do so much stuff for other people. So. I don't always feel that way. Um, But thank you. I mean, it's very you nice do. to hear those types of things. Um, Well, if you need to hear it, I'm here for you. Because <laughs> oh. you really do. Like, you really do. And, I mean... Yeah, you really, you're like the nicest person ever. You're wonderful. But I know it's hard when the little voice in your head tells you you're not. But you are. So I'm glad Taylor's there to tell you you are. Yeah. All the time. Taylor, Taylor is wild. And that's a completely different story. But uh, he, he's, <laughs> he, he's great. Um, But I've learned a long time ago that sometimes, like, you know, I always wondered, I'm like, should I, should I talk about anxiety? Should I talk about depression? Because does it, are people going to think that it's a attention thing? And so I, I've always been kind of scared. But then, you know, I would, sometimes I would just have such a bad day that I'm like, I'm going to write a Facebook status and I, it's going to be a scream into the void. And then I started hearing my friends go, you know, I feel that way too. I'm glad someone else yeah. has seen it. And I don't know if it's around the world or just in the U.S., but in the U.S., people just bundle it up. People just don't want to talk about it, and they they push their feelings down. They push them down. But it, all it takes is for one person who's just like you to just be like, you know, sometimes I just want to sit on the floor and cry for a little while. And you're like, me too. Sometimes yeah. I do too. Sometimes <laughs> I watch said I watched a marriage story for the first time this weekend. I texted Brady because I bawled my fucking eyes out the entire time from especially I thought it was several times in the movie I hadn't cried that much since up but (laughs) definitely the end of the movie from the time the little boy starts reading the why I love and I can't remember their names Adam no well it's Adam Driver's character but it's the list of why Scarlett Johansson's character loves Adam Driver's character that their marriage counselor made them write at the beginning to like the t- when she tied the shoe at the end, I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, like, yeah. and you know, sometimes you just need a good cry, or you need yeah. to talk to somebody. And sometimes, sometimes pills do help, but you also need to be under supervision of someone who cares about you before you take a pill, because pills can also have very terrible side effects, especially in younger people. So, I mean, I think, and I think, like, I, I hope. 
mental health gets better in this country because I want people to not be afraid to say, I need help. I want to go to therapy. I just need to talk to somebody because sometimes talking to your spouse, it shouldn't stress them out, but sometimes it stresses them out if they not only have to be your spouse, but also your therapist. Like, and you don't want to cause more harm in your marriage by just like, sometimes I use my boyfriend as just a complaint box and I feel, and that's part of the fact that we both kind of just stopped talking to our friends because we decided to be hermits. But I just will complain to him about everything and it gets to the point where like, that's all I do. So I have been trying to make a mental break because it's not fair to him to just complain to him because he does so much amazing things for me. Like it's not his fault. And he has anxiety too, but he definitely doesn't complain as much to me as I do. Like I am just a complaint box sometimes. And uh, it's just not good. It's not good for your relationship. You should be honest with them, but if you're complaining about stuff, especially if it's non-related to your relationship, fix it. Try to fix it. I know you can't, it's not an instant fix, but, you know, I was like, I'm not performing. I'm so bored. And like, so I decided to ask Brittany to do a podcast with me. It's a lot. (laughs) Sorry if we're just talking about our mental health, but this movie is very much about mental health and the movie isn't super interesting. So at least maybe this is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but I'm I'm glad I'm glad you're still here, Brittany. You are loved and cherished. And I swear, everybody from our college group would say the same thing as Brittany's just the sweetest person ever. So, also, Brittany knows a lot of rap songs that you would not think she knows. Walking yeah. down the street. There you go. That's she's a headphone lover. I am a headphone lover. I'm a music yeah. lover. I, yeah. I feel like this is going to be a little awkward segue, but it's kind of, I feel like it can also kind of work into the mental health talk a little bit. So getting into probably the end of the first half, going into the second half, if we divide this movie up into three parts, the second mm-hmm. half to me is all about the gaslighting, um, which is something that happens to victims of mental abuse quite often. Yes usually by people that love them or claim they love them, I should say. And so the children doing this, I mean, yes, they're kids, but to me, it kind of made me, when the ending happened, I honestly wasn't like, I wasn't, it was bleak, but I wasn't like, oh my God, these poor children. I'm like, "Mm, well, you played with fire. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want the kids. and, And the ending's very like ambiguous. So yeah. the kids could be fine. And that's one of the things like somebody mentioned like, oh, they're stuck in a like a, a, a purgatory because we don't know what happens to them. They're stuck in limbo because we don't know what happens to them because the movie doesn't have a definitive ending on whether or not the kids survive or not. Um, but and I guess let me backtrack a little bit because we we went. A, I didn't really like completely say what the movie what happens in the movie. So the kids rewind the the rewind sorry we got off on a big topic but i want to talk about the ending too and how gaslighting plays a really big part of this uh it really is kind of like an abusive relationship but just in a weird way so you start from the mom's point of view laura alicia silverstone's character and we talked about like her husband wants to get divorced because he wants to marry his girlfriend grace and she kills herself um, and the kids are left completely grief-stricken, but the dad wants them to come to Christmas in a mountain lodge with their the girlfriend they don't like. 
Also, he said they were getting married in September, but he asked them in thanks at Thanksgiving, and they're not married. So, guess you didn't get married in September, honey. Sorry about that. Um, and Grace, we already said about the cult stuff. So basically, the kids hate Grace, and the dad. This bothered me too. The dad got. He tells them, you want to stay alone with my girlfriend for several days while I go to work? Which, why can't he just work from home? I don't understand. If he's a writer, can't you write from home? That doesn't make any sense. Maybe he's a reporter. Yeah. I was kind of confused if he was a reporter or just a writer. Like a novelist or if he was a reporter. Um, but he leaves them alone. And before he leaves them alone, one, she falls to the ice, so she's not doing too hot. Two... He shows the person who was part of a mass suicide where the gun is. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got a Chekhov's gun thing going on because I think it's the same gun the mom killed herself with maybe because it's her family's gun. They did say so, it's early. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't really take a good look at what gun the mom kills herself with. But I'll have to go back and look. But he shows them her where the gun is, tells her the combination. I'm like, why do you need to know where the gun is? I get that you're out in the middle of the mountain lodge, but the kids are very resourceful. They stayed at this mountain lodge a lot. I'm sure they know how to shoot a gun at this point. If they're out in the mountain lodge that much and the mom was that into guns, maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe not. But, like, I just don't understand why you would show someone with – I don't know. He doesn't know her that well either. He's only known her for, like, a year, it seems like. At most. Because they haven't been set. The mom still seems to think that there is a chance for a reconciliation. So I'm assuming they haven't been separated that long. So he hasn't known this lady that long. And he knows she has mental health issues. And again, it's not her fault. But I don't know if I would show someone who has mental health issues. Like where the only gun is. That you've only known for a year. But maybe he's just really trusting. Maybe he just wants to give her a chance. Maybe he's blinded by love. I don't know. He shows her where the gun is. And then... He leaves her alone with the kids. And I just, I don't know. It just bothered me. I was like, why did you do that? Yeah. And I do like that they kind of switch the narrative. Like, first it's from the mom's point of view. Then it's from Grace's point, the kid's point of view. And then it's Grace's point of view. But when it's under Grace's point of view, it kind of fell apart for me. Yeah. But um, we were talking about, sorry, now that we know what happens in the movie. Yes. Basically, the kids decide that they they found out about Grace's past, and they, I, I mean, I think really they just don't want their dad to marry her. So they're like, if we drive her crazy, he'll think she's crazy, because he doesn't think she's crazy, and she'll leave, or he'll leave her. And so they, you don't really know it's the kids. They do this really cool setup where, uh, oh, this was a creepy part. The little boy is watching her in the shower. Mm-hmm. Which was weird. And uh, to apologize. Which he was setting this up. That's the weirdest thing. Is that he was setting this up. If you, if you get to the ending. You know he was setting this up. But basically he gives her hot cocoa as an apology. And I was like oh. He put something in that. He yeah. did put something in that. Um, but he also lights the gas heater. Which smells weird. And he's like oh it's normal. So she passes out. And she thinks it's from the gas. So she wakes up, and all their stuff is gone except for some canned food, and all her pills are gone. And 
they start setting up all this weird stuff. And, like, at some point, he, like, pretends to hang himself. Yeah. That was weird. Which they did set up because he, he apparently was, like, a rock climber. And he was, yeah. like, packing stuff. So that was a nice touch. I, I It took me a minute to figure out what the hell was happening. Because I was like, how is he doing that? You know, like. It was I know. Weird. I was like, what's going on? Is the little girl, like, is somebody, like. I guess he tied his back so it wouldn't actually, like, hurt his neck. That's pretty convincing. Yeah. So he, he starts putting the little, like, mental note in, hey, maybe we died, and this is purgatory. And they, like, they print out a newspaper article and a, pa- a painting, not a painting, a picture with, like, a black ribbon in memory of, of the kids and stuff. And so, like, and they're, they're calling the dad the whole time, but pretending their phones don't work. And then their phones finally do run out of battery, and... They decide we've gone too far. Grace is going a little crazy because she starts like kneeling on firewood that's on fire. Oh, and also her adorable dog, Grady, accident. Now they don't try to kill the dog, but the dog yeah. ran outside when they were moving all the stuff accidentally because they left the door open and the dog freezes to death. Yeah. And the dog I'm, is like, good. I'm not a big fan. Uh, they called that the kicking the dog trope. And it, yeah. I'm just so damn tired of seeing it in scary movies because I saw the dog. Yeah, I'm like, I saw the dog. I'm like, oh, look at that cute dog, and mentally prepare myself for the moment it dies. I know. I was like, maybe the dog will be okay, and then like you don't see the dog for a while. And I will say, the little girl. So the little girl, it was an accident. They didn't do oh. it on purpose. But also, don't leave your kids alone with someone they don't know. Like with a dog at stake. Like, oh my god. And they do try to look for the dog. It's not part of the plan, but basically they do this really good reveal where you see like a speakerphone that the girl, like Grace has been hearing her dad say, repent, repent, which is what he was telling everybody before they killed themselves in her cult. And you see the speaker in the attic and they do a really good reveal. So you can, you're like, oh, so the kids were at it the whole time. So you're like, it switches from the mom to the kids back to Grace. And then you kind of see it through the kid's eyes because Grace is like, fully gone crazy because she's been without her pills and they've been mentally torturing her like they set up all this stuff that's just awful and like they really did their homework but what did they think was going to happen like I don't understand like I get that they were trying to make her seem mentally unstable with the gaslighting and they I mean they gaslit her pretty good she's lit up it is bad but like what did they think was going to happen I know. I, it was just so, I mean, it's one of those things where I'm like, they're kids. I know they're kids, but it's just that half brain, like, like you said, what you did all this shit, you put this plan into action. And then like, when the rug is pulled out from underneath you, it's like, what did you think? What was going to be the end game of this plan that you had? Well, and they like, they, they apologize to her after she finds the dog, Grady. And like, we're so sorry. Like, here's your pills. Like, we're really, really sorry. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. Like, we didn't mean it for it to go this far. We're sorry. It's just a joke. We were just joking. But she's, like, gone. She's gone. But I'm just, like, I don't, I can't 100% blame Grace. Because even though, like, she might be selfish because of what happened with her and the dad. And she might have, like, lied about her mental health. But, like, it's the dad's fault. Yeah. Like, and the dad comes back eventually. Which, why didn't he call the cops on the way? He's five and a half hours away. And he didn't think, I haven't heard from my kids in several days. Maybe I should call the cops to meet me at the house in case there's something actually wrong. Yeah. Well, I wanted to touch upon something real quick just while I was thinking about Grace is going through her little 
kind of, she's not fully cracked yet, but she's kind of, the egg is starting to crack a little bit. And she, and I don't know if you felt this was like kind of a disconnecting scene. So she's walking around the wilderness and she sees, oh she, she sees the lodge, like another lodge shaped as a cross. Did you feel like that was a weird scene? Okay. This was the part I fell asleep during. Okay. I, and it wasn't originally in the script. Originally yeah. it wasn't, but they saw that cross shaped lodge and they're like, oh, that would be an interesting thing to happen. But here's the thing. They keep everything pretty realistic in, like, when she's seeing things and hearing things, they explain everything. Like, that it's the kids doing it. They have the speakerphone. It's the creepy Mary picture. The kids moved it. All this stuff. But there's a man that looks just like her dead dad in the cross building that she comes across. And that is not explained. And I don't understand why they kept that in. I think that part should have been taken out completely. Exactly. And I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, it was kind of like a disconnect from yeah. all the events that were happening in the movie. Um, so and that's where it lost me. That's where yeah. it lost me for a second. I was just like, why? So that's why I think I don't like this movie that much is because they took so much time with her just walking through snow. Which is boring. Snow is boring. It's beautiful, but it's all white and very boring. Yeah. And I guess this is what's going to lead us into kind of like the final act of the movie is that dad finally decides like, well, shit, I'm going to head back to the lodge. Call the cops. Yeah. Call or, or the like the park, the rangers or wherever, like. I just don't understand this whole... It's like it's like the guy in The Shining. What's his name? Mr. Carruthers. Who's just like... Oh, wait. That's the actor's name. Scatman Carruthers. Can't remember that. What is the character's name? I'm oh, sorry. Oh, oh, the one that teaches um, The Shine. Uh, the Shining guy. Um, yeah. The caretaker. Uh, the, care, the original caretaker. Not the caretaker. The cook. Because Grady, Grady's the bad guy. Grady's like the bad ghost. Yeah, the cook. Yeah. The cook. Holleran. Oh, Holleran. Holleran. Yes. Holleran. Yeah. Oh, D- Dick. His name is Dick. Yeah. Yes. It's a tiny little boy talking to a man named Dick. Somebody yeah. made that joke once and I was like, <laughs> that's weird. Um, um, what was I saying? Oh, my God. Oh, well, yes. Dick Holleran in the movie The Shining. I don't, I haven't finished the book The Shining, but I've been reading it off and on for like three years. Uh, I do that. I read books five at a time, and some I finish really quickly, but the good ones I like to make them last a really long time. Um, so Dick O'Holloran, uh, he doesn't call the cops in the movie. He just shows up. Yeah. And I'm like, why didn't you call for backup? Just call for yeah. backup. Just call for backup. Like, why are people so proud? Don't leave your girlfriend you've only known for a year with a gun and your kids in an isolated area, and don't, like, just call the cops. They can get there first. And they could have had a scene where the cops showed up and she, like, shot them or yeah. something. Like, she, they could have done that. You know, that would have made more sense. Nobody ever comes up. And I get that it's a secluded mountain lodge. But, like, if there was a snowstorm, I think somebody would have come on, like, one of those big snowcats. Like, the, like the, the actual, like, vehicle. Not an actual snowcat. Like, a snow leopard. Yeah that you riding up on a snow leopard how are you guys doing what's know, going right? on here's okay. my snow leopard rascal and it's like and this is where it really lost me Ooh. <laughs> um but like i don't understand why he didn't call the cops the dad just does everything wrong he the divorce thing 
fuck you. Uh, just like don't have a girlfriend before the divorce. Like I don't know. Like I just feel like he seems to be really selfish. Maybe he's going through a midlife crisis, but he's like having sex with the girlfriend loudly. Not like sex noises, but they're like giggling. And the kids are, like, in the next room. Like, can you yeah. just not have sex for the weekend? How about he also literally walks into the lodge, like, doesn't see his kids, doesn't see his girlfriend, sees the poor frozen dog dead on the dog bed, and just kind of looks at it like, I mean, looks at it like. What okay. happened? Oh, I guess I should go upstairs unarmed and unprepared. Oh, yeah. the car is, is, no, I guess they crashed the car after that. But, yeah. yeah, I was like, do you not understand, like, what could have happened? Yeah. Like, and here's the thing. It's like, I think about, like, parents who have newborn babies and maybe one of the parents has a mental illness. Or, like, people with postpartum. If you have postpartum depression, you don't get left alone with your baby until you've fixed it. Because there's always a chance that your depression will betray you. And something might happen. So, like, that's why it's helpful if you have more than one person when you have a newborn. But I think of that, I'm like, this guy was a father. He has kids. I hope he cares about his kids. But he also knows that his girlfriend, who he wants to marry and he wants to be part of the family, has mental illness. She needs a backup. She needs a backup. She can't do it alone. And I just, like, I'm not saying, and again, I'm not, it's not her fault. She went through hell, and I feel really bad for the character because she's obviously done the work, helped herself get better. And it could have been such a good story. Like, she was in a cult, and she survived, and she's fine now. It's great. It's awesome. But he's like, doesn't think, like, well, this might be stressful for her, and she already fell through a flipping hole in the ice. I guess I have to go to work, though. I'm like, you just take everybody back with you. Say, like, we'll come back Christmas Eve for Christmas and let's all go back for a little while because this is just not working out. I just, he's a terrible father. He's not a bad, like an evil person, but he's just a selfish asshole. Yeah. And it's his fault because she needed a backup. You're, if you want to marry her, you're going to be her permanent backup. Well, maybe not permanent with the way he treats marriages, but hopefully her permanent backup. So you just abandon her with your two kids? Like, what is, and what, why, why was she okay with it? Was she like, did he like tell her like, I'm not going to trust you with my kids to marry them unless, um, to marry you unless you like win them over? Like, what the fuck were you thinking, dude? Like, and even if she didn't have mental health issues, even if she didn't have a dark past, why would you ever leave your girlfriend alone with your kids? I get your wife, but I mean, I just don't know anybody who, like, has a remarried parent where, as a girlfriend, the lady hung around alone until, like, the kid was, like, with them. Like, the kid liked them. Like, you don't you don't force kids to love your girlfriend. And it's yeah. selfish of you. So, okay, great. Like, you like having sex with this lady and she seems like a nice lady. But your kids don't like her. And I'm sorry, that should be a deal breaker. You should be a parent first. If you're going to dissolve your happy marriage, you don't just get to bang people and make your kids deal with it. That's not okay. You decided to have children. You chose to have children. And whether you thought you were or not, you chose to have those children, raise them, and then you're putting them through turmoil because you're selfish and you want to have a younger wife. That's just, it's just an asshole thing to do. It's just, it's just rude. 
I mean, I don't know. I could be being selfish again. Like my parents are, have been together for 30 years, so I'm spoiled, but I also like, I've seen friends, families fall apart and it's devastated me and I'm not even in the family. Like, but I can't believe, like, like I said, my friend whose father left their mom for like this young woman after like the mom, like she like worked other jobs. She took care of the kids. Like she was always there. She did everything because he was at a job where he traveled all the time. So she was always alone taking care of the kids. And he was just like, and this lady's kind of hot. I'm just going to go fuck her for a while. Like, it's it, like, even as a child, I was like, how can you do that to your kids? Yeah. Not like when you get married and have children, it's not just you and a girl and a, another person. Like it, it's a family and you can't just abandon your family like that. You shouldn't, I guess you can, but I'll never understand people who are like, well, it's my time now. Like the heart wants what it wants when they have a family. I get it when it's just you and a and like a person you're casually dating. It's not okay. But he's a he's an asshole. And the kids kind of become assholes. But also like I can't really be mad at them because they're grieving. It's only been six months since their mom committed suicide in their flipping house. And like the little boy is still wearing his mom's necklace that she wasn't wearing, but she took off right before she committed suicide. And the little girl's carrying around this doll. That looks like her mom. Also, I guess we should talk about the little dollhouse. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry, a nod to Hereditary was this? Yeah, I was I was kind of curious. I guess, I guess it kind of was like almost, I don't want to say a red herring, because a red herring misdirects you from the plot. But it was almost like they used it as a little plot device, kind of, to maybe show you where the plot was heading, I felt. Yeah, especially, and they, they kind of used it because the dad hasn't heard from them in a while and you see him at their old which okay i'm sorry it was kind of weird because they were like at one house with their mom that looked a certain way and then they're at their dad's house but then when he was at the bedroom with the little girl's dollhouse it kind of looked like the original house so i don't know if he just has three houses how many houses do these people have um because it seemed like they own the mountain lodge because all the decorations are his wives so it can't be it can't be like they rent it if they're decorating it anyways they, the dad is, like, calling them, and he hasn't gotten a hold of them, and then he looks in, in the little house, the little dollhouse. The daughter has, like, a replica of the lodge in her bedroom. It's, like, a little dollhouse, and she has, like, someone for the whole family, like, excuse me, dolls to represent the whole family, and she, like, um, what was I trying to say? Oh, he sees, like, the, the boy doll hanging and everyone passed out in the living room. He's like, oh, shit, something's going on. I'm like, yeah, you think? You think? Or maybe don't leave your kids alone with your girlfriend when she's struggling. Like, I mean, and again, even if she didn't have a mental health crisis in the past, that's stressful for anybody. Anybody could have a mental breakdown when you're left alone with two kids that hate you. Yeah. Like, and I feel bad for her. She is trying, but I'm also like, Maybe don't push your boyfriend to get married until the kids are ready. Because their mom just killed herself. Like, stop being selfish. And he's just like, yeah, we're going to get married in a few months. We were going to tell you. Not we were going to ask your permission. We're going to tell you what's going to happen. Like, just ew. Just, he's an ew dad. I'm sorry. Like, and I feel bad that their stable parent killed herself. That's sad. I guess she wasn't stable either. And I kind of got... The feeling like maybe they were trying to say that Alicia Silverstone's character was a little controlling 
because like she tells the kids what kind of candy they can get. She's like, no artificial sweeteners. I was wondering also if like, I hate to say the word damage, that makes it sound so derogatory, but almost like maybe he met her for something similar. Like maybe she had some kind of demons from the past. So maybe dad likes damaged girls. I don't, I know that sounds awful. No, but I mean, some people do. They're like, and sometimes people take advantage of people who have had damaged pasts. Like Chris Hansen's been doing a lot of like YouTubers that might be child molesters or just predators in general. And one of them is Davi Vanity. And he seems he seemed to take advantage of like teenagers who were like emo because they were like really like, you know, a lot of emo kids were like, like me and you, Brittany, we were kind of depressed and we wanted to like be emotional. And yeah. But he like took advantage of the emo scene, but, like the scene kids like being depressed. But I mean, like people who are predators take advantage of people who are going through stuff. And again, it's the whole thing with mental health, like. Yes, you can get better. Yes, it can get better, but you need a good support system. And that's where I think maybe this movie is trying to teach not so much like every... Because I don't... I hope that it's not... I was confused because I was like, is it trying to say that even if you fix your mental health issues, even if you get better and do the work, you're just a ticking time bomb for it to explode? Or or are they saying you can you can do this, but you need a good support system? Because that's yeah. what I would rather take from it, is if you don't have a good support system, things can get really bad. Because the kids lost their support system in their mom. The daughter, I mean, Grace lost her support system in her fiancé when he leaves her. And with her pills. Like, it's all like, like, when cut down to the bare, just you, if you don't, like, you know, life isn't worth it if you can't do it with other people. Like, we want to be independent, and that's great. But you do need a support system. I don't think any independent person could ever say that they didn't have a great support system. Like, think about Beyonce. Beyonce, everyone likes Beyonce. Like, everybody loves Beyonce. And uh, I have some... I don't dislike Beyonce, but I prefer Destiny's Child to Beyonce by herself. I'm sorry, Beyonce. You're fabulous. You're amazing. But I just prefer the old school Destiny's Child because that's just my jam. But... Beyonce has a huge team of people that help her be fabulous. Like, yes, she did a lot of the work herself, but I don't think she would be anywhere if she didn't have people standing behind her supporting her. And, you know, even the strongest people need help. So maybe that's what the movie's trying to say. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe they're just trying to be more of a study of mental health than actually telling us something. I don't know. And I think we, I think this should lead us into like the last five minutes of the movie and explicitly what happens in the last five minutes or so of the movie. Yeah. You want to take it? Cause I feel like I've been talking a lot. I'm sorry. You're good. Um, so yeah. So of course, um, Richard, you know, sees poor Grady frozen to death in his dog bed has a very kind of, huh? Reaction at it, which I'm like, why the hell aren't you? screaming why the hell are you screaming for your children why aren't you screaming for your fiance those are all seem like rational things because if i see our poor family dog frozen to death in a dog bed i'm just not going to be like huh hey where are you like also I was- call the cops call the cops at that point because you still yeah. had some phone reception call the cops so yeah and he literally <laughs> goes upstairs and grace is there she's pointing a gun at her head Oh, because, wait, we forgot to say, she's trying to get the kids to destroy 
the doll of their mother because she says you have to make a sacrifice and she's yes. burned the doll of their mother. She did, yeah. And I think it literally Aiden, the brother, pulls the, the doll out of the fire and like tries to, you know, like put put out the fire. But yeah, so and that's where she's going on this tirade. So she puts it to her head. She's convinced her in purgatory. She keeps saying, you know, like we're, you know, we have to repent. And she pulls the trigger. It doesn't go off. And she's then playing she, Russian roulette. Yes, exactly. And then she points it at Richard, and he's talking to her, talking to her, talking to her. Pulls the trigger and shoots him in the head and kills him. Yeah, that was that was bad. And he falls yeah. down the stairs. And then the kids make a run for it, and they do try. Like I will say, they tried. And but of course, they're under sixteen. I think the oldest one's probably 13 and the little girl's probably like eight and like maybe nine, but she's pretty, they're pretty young. They don't know how to drive a car and they run into a tree and then the car won't restart. And they only had one car. That was the other thing that bothered me. Why did they drive up to the mountain if the dad was going to leave them with one car? Because if something bad happened, you should have a second vehicle in case they needed to get out of there, you know? Yeah. Just a lot of, I'm not sure if it's unclear thinking on the dad's part or if it's plot holes or what is going on exactly. Yeah. But I mean, so Goodnight Mommy, I don't want to spoil it for you, but Goodnight Mommy had some plot holes and some obvious stuff in the beginning, too. Like, I kind of, there's a twist at the end, but you can guess it in, like, the first ten minutes. It's kind of like us. Like, you could guess what was going to happen. Not the same twist, but you're like, I think this might happen. And then it does, and you're like, yep, I was right. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's because I've seen too many movies. Maybe maybe people who aren't, like, who don't spend all their time watching movies when they have extra time maybe are still entertained by that. I hope so. But, yeah, Goodnight Mommy was kind of like that, where, like, the ending was just kind of like, yep. But also there were plot holes. Like, I was just like, well, why didn't this happen? And why didn't... But Goodnight Mommy was tighter. Like, yeah. they didn't leave as many explanation holes they didn't have a random scene where he's on a cross like the cross guy the cross whatever that thing was the snow lodge that was shaped like a cross like that part just didn't make sense they should have just cut that yeah should have cut that part but, but yeah go I ahead sorry is the lodge like the cross katie i mean come they on they just passed it on their way in though they could have passed it on their way in and she could have just or she could have gone and visited it a couple times you know like Maybe maybe they go on a walk their first day and they're like, oh, that's old man so-and-so's cabin. So yeah. you could have, like, realized, oh, that's why there's somebody in the window because somebody's home. Yeah. And I'm just kidding. I really thought it was pointless. I think uh, it was, was one of those things that they were just like, this is cool looking. Let's find a way to put it in the movie. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just... <laughs> yeah, and I just, like, the kids took it way too far. Yeah. So, yes. So you, you finished because... I've talked too much. No, you're good. And that's literally like she gets the kids back inside. She has them sitting at the dining table with their dead dad. Um, they start singing Nearer My God to Thee, um, which is actually, I, I don't know why, but they're, that I actually like that moment. And the yeah, I liked it too. The, yeah. Oh, by the way, talking about like singing church, church things and prayers, the only inaccurate thing they had with Catholic stuff was the prayer before meal. They didn't finish it. They only said the first part of it. And I was like, I'm sorry. There's a whole half of prayer left, you terrible Catholics. And they only did the sign of the cross before they prayed and not after when you're supposed to open and close with it. Sorry. That's my little Catholic fact of the day. 
I like it. I like learning. I like learning new things for sure about yeah. About and, and, oh yeah, it's it's okay. I mean, I like it, but also there's parts of it that I'm like, yeah. I get why people have problems with it. I understand. I get it. It's not perfect. I don't think any religion's perfect because it's all human led and humans aren't perfect and nothing's going to be perfect. Anyways, but I mean, like, I like learning about other religions. I think other religions are cool. I like Judaism. Buddhism has some cool stuff in it. You know, I like some stuff. You can take stuff from a bunch of religions and still, I don't know. I, I don't think, I know you're supposed to, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to say that's the only way. But I just, I can't, I can't believe the God that's created the world would punish somebody for being a good person, but just not the right way. Yeah. It just seems a little not very godlike. And also in the Old Testament, it says that there's lots of gods. And then all of a sudden the New Testament, they change it. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to be blasphemous, but, you know, I'm just asking questions. Yeah. I think we're meant to ask questions, too. And I always said, I mean, you know, no one knows what really happens when we die. And who's to say that maybe we're not all religions aren't right in some ways and wrong in yeah. other ways. It's just how yeah. I feel. Um, but exactly. they yeah. are singing You're My God to me, though. It's a, it's a classic hymn. I don't know if it's super Catholic, but it's definitely classic. Yeah. Old very, one. very classic. I can tell it's classic when even I'm like, I know this one. I've heard this one before. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean she starts to put that purple tape over their mouths and the last yeah. shot is on the gun just sitting there and bam that's the movie that's how it, and it has I think it has two bullets in it I believe but I wonder if if she's gonna play Russian roulette the kids might survive also like she wrote sin on the things because that's how all the people in her cult were discovered they all had duct tape over their mouth and it said sin and so she's done the same thing to the kids yeah. So, I mean, maybe maybe she'll accidentally kill herself and they'll survive. You don't know. What will happen if she doesn't pull, if she pulls the trigger and they don't die, I wonder. That's like, I'm curious. Because all the food's back, so, because they, they just hid it in the basement. Yeah. So, I don't know. This whole thing just seemed like bad parenting 101. And I, I can't blame Grace. And, I, again, I hope I don't sound like I'm trying to belittle people with mental illness or say they can't take care of children. That's not true. I know plenty of people who struggle with mental illness that are amazing caretakers for their children or their pets. They would never let anything bad happen to them, and they wouldn't abandon them. But I just think you need a support system, especially when you're meeting your, your future stepchildren. Like, it just seems, I don't know, it just seems like the dad's trying to force this relationship, and that's where the problem is. And whenever you force anything, that's a problem. Like, you shouldn't have to pretend to be happy or pretend to be sad in a good relationship. So, yeah, I I don't hate this movie. I guess, should we go to final thoughts, or is there anything else? I think I think we pretty much touched on everything Yeah, I ta- I wanted to talk about. Yeah. I kind of even told Taylor, I was like, I'm pretty sure if we talked about this movie and didn't get off topic one time, I thought this was like, <laughs> a, I thought this was like a serious hour, like 50 minute conversation. Like, I was afraid. That's why I watched Goodnight Mommy. I wasn't super impressed with Goodnight Mommy either. I think the marketing was done really well because I really wanted to see it originally and then it didn't have a super wide release. So I didn't see it originally. And so at least I saw that movie. Because yeah. I've been curious about it. But it wasn't... It was good. 
But I would say this movie was very competent. I don't think it's a badly made movie. I just think the directors, maybe it's because there's two creators. Maybe, I don't know. Sometimes if you have more than one person, it's like you don't, well, it's kind of like you and I, like we end up talking for like three hours because we want to give each other equal time. But then sometimes like we have to cut out good parts because we don't want to like leave the other person's stuff out. So there's always a push and pull of like, if you have more than one director, like whose vision do you follow and whose vision do you cut and you want everyone to have equal time. So maybe one person hadn't gotten as many of their ideas out, but they their idea was that cross building. So they were like, well, we got to keep it in because this, this person hasn't really had a lot of their viewpoints. Because it's hard. Because like, I mean, I just know from editing the podcast, like I talk a lot. And Brittany's very polite. So, so, and also we're still recording over Skype. So we yeah. can't, I can't always hear when Brittany's trying to interject. And then I'm like, oh shit, she tried to interject five minutes ago. I'm so sorry. Thank so you. like, I, <laughs> see, I'm doing it now. Oh my God. No, you're um, not. <laughs> like when I edit, like I cut a lot of my stuff out because I ramble because like Brittany has really good viewpoints and that's why I asked her to be in this podcast because she like is always like I thought this interesting thing about this movie and I'm like you know so like maybe it was that I don't know maybe it's having two directors I don't know it's just like I feel like they're like if they just cut part of the middle out the movie would have been a lot like cleaner yeah or or maybe if we had I wish Grace had had a couple more like insights into what happened in the cult. Like we learned a little more about it, like not a lot more. And maybe they just didn't want to bore us with semantics, I guess. But I do feel like there were some missed opportunities. Um. Anyways. Uh. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't know why this movie didn't thrill me. I really thought it was going to be really good. Yeah. I really, Oh, go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. I was, I was, um, what was kind of your final thoughts on this movie? Do you have final thoughts? Yeah. Um, so, okay. Final thoughts on this movie. I would recommend seeing it again. If you like things like the shining or if you like cult stuff, like if you're interested in cult things, it might be interesting, but honestly, I think the real cults are a little more interesting than they don't really explore it that much, which I was disappointed in. I think it's a good try, but I think the execution wasn't as great as like, cause we've done Ari Aster, his first two movies and uh, Jennifer Kent's first two movies. And we've done uh, David Robert Mitchell and, Who's who? Who did the lighthouse? Oh my God, Robert Eggers. Robert, Robert Eggers. I'm so. Oh You're good. You're good. I love you, Robert Eggers. I'm sorry. Oh my God. You're our favorite. You can be our friend and sit with us at lunch. Please. Somebody friended, like, started following us on our Instagram, and it was it was Robert Eggers, and I got really excited. It was like photos, and I was like, damn it, it's a fan account. But thank you for following us. But I yeah, got really excited. You can follow us, please, because I actually like the photos. They it was a really cool thing. But uh, like, <laughs> I was like, damn it! I thought because I totally asked to be his friend on Instagram, but he hasn't responded because I understand he probably is respectful of his privacy. But I was like, maybe he wants to hear two people, you know, 
kiss his butt because that's yeah. basically what we did. Because I'm sorry, but yeah, it's it's totally deserved because he makes good movies. But we've seen all of these directors with these great sophomore films, and like this one, Goodnight Mommy's kind of better. But honestly, I think this movie was a little sharper. I just think Goodnight Mommy had kind of a twist because it was like evil kids. So I don't know. What do you think about this movie? Um, to be honest, and I don't mean to be harsh, because I, I, I always say, you know, pe- there's people that exist in this world that I don't, I don't know if I would ever have the chance to make a movie, much less a movie, you know, of the caliber like The Lodge. So I definitely never say never, Brittany. Never We're making a podcast. That's the never, first step. Never subscribe say to our Patreon. We don't have a Patreon, but <laughs> we'll make a movie. Yes, would you like to drink too much coffee? I'm sorry. Oh, God. See us make a movie because we need money if you want us to do that. I would would make a movie with Brittany. I would let either Tim or Brittany direct it. So, um, and that's the thing. So, it's like I I have a very hard time. Even when I don't really like something, I'll find things I like about it. Um, I feel like as an artist to another artist, that's what I can do. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. uh, Sincerely. What I did like about this movie is that it's very much old school horror. Um, because, and the reason I say that, it doesn't rely on jump scares at all. There's not one jump scare in the movie. And that's not something you see in a lot of modern scary movies. It's very atmospheric. Uh, and so it relies heavily on its location, on the weather, on all these kind of different factors. And it's very slow building. It kind of reminds me of something you maybe would have seen in the 70s in a lot of ways, um, or maybe even older than that. And I had read, I don't know if that's true, so I actually love Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. And I heard there was some influences uh, for this movie from Rebecca. And that this idea of, like, it's, you know, it's, it's it, it initially you're like, is it a ghost story? Is it not a ghost story? Is she being kind of haunted by the first wife? So there's those those elements, and it's and, and I love it. I love it because you don't see that nowadays, and you know you're so used to seeing the jump scares and the gore porn, and so for that to kind of take <laughs> step backwards to like old school scary, I thought that was really cool. I just don't feel like it was executed in a way that I cared about the characters. I, yeah, I didn't fully, I wasn't fully invested in either Grace or the kids. Yeah. Like, and maybe you're supposed to feel that way. Maybe you're supposed to feel like nobody's perfect. Maybe yeah. that's why they were saying it. But I did feel like either we needed, we either needed to have a little more time with the kids or a little more time with Grace. Or Grace or the kids need to do something a little worse. Because you can justify why the kids are acting the way they are because of what they're going through with their mom. And you can justify what Grace is going on because it's not really her fault that they've, uh, pushed her so far that she's gone insane like she tried to do the best thing she brought her pills with her and maybe she's not even on that much medication but maybe she like brought extra just in case like maybe she's just trying to be prepared you know like she brings her pills she's trying to be good and i mean like i don't know but i also feel like at some point aren't shouldn't you just call the boyfriend and be like please come please come back because like this is not working out so, I mean, but nobody's, like, evil. The dad's probably the worst person in this whole movie. And even he doesn't seem like he's evil. He just seems like, you know, he made a b- bunch of shitty decisions. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would definitely, I would give this like maybe a six out of 10. Yeah. I was thinking maybe five or six at my highest. Yeah. I mean, I like all the acting. All the performances are really good. All the performances are great. And that's why, like, I want to give it more. Like, Alicia Silverstone was great in the beginning. I, I, I really wish we had seen a little more of her character. Like, maybe she'd come back and, like, haunt them or something. Um, but uh, I just, I don't know. And Riley Keough was really good. She did yeah, a really she good was job. Good. She was she very was. convincing. Like, you could, she seemed like a person who was trying to fight her inner demons, but not succeeding. But it really, you just can't blame her because she tried so hard. And again, she did the work. She got better. But I just, and also, I don't know if I have a problem with the fact that they're, like, basically saying, yeah, if you have a mental illness, you can never actually escape it. Yeah. Or is it, or they're trying to be more like, you can't escape your past. Because I feel like that's kind of damning to people with mental illness. Because I think people can get cured if a long enough time period has passed in between the inciting incident you know like I want to believe that I mean maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong maybe it's like alcoholism maybe it's like alcoholism and I actually I so I I, we'll get to this but I actually have my kind of pick picked for next week based on kind of what I feel about this movie so I feel like it's more of a cautionary tale and that you know you Grace probably put herself in a situation she wasn't really prepared for because she thought that's what she was supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I feel bad for her because I don't think she's, I mean, she's just pushed to the brink of insanity. And I don't think it's her fault. I, and I, but I, like, I'm just hoping that that's not what they're trying to say with the movie. I think maybe it's more of like, but by what I said about it being like alcoholism, I mean more like, like, once you're an alcoholic, even if you aren't drinking alcohol and you're healthy, you're always an alcoholic. You can't go back to drinking because yeah. it's always going to be there. So maybe that's what they're trying to say is that you can't. But again, like I don't want to mental illness shame people because it's I don't ever think it's somebody's fault because they're mentally ill. Because usually it, there's either a chemical imbalance or something happened to you. Some traumatic incident was not your fault and it happened to you and it's not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. But I don't know. I just wish it was a little, like, maybe she would snap out of it at the end. Like, maybe she would understand and, like, feel bad for killing the dad or something. I don't know. I was just hoping she would, like, maybe figure it out at the end. I, I didn't want her to. But it, I also admire them for sticking to their guns with the dark ending. Yeah. So, and it, that's why I give it a six and not a five. Because I feel like at least they stuck to their guns. Yeah. You know? And didn't like pussyfoot around. So, and apparently there was an alternate ending. Like the ending was different originally, but I couldn't find out what it was supposed to be. I couldn't find out what the difference was. No one had it written down. I don't know if they just rewrote it and never revealed what the alternate ending was. Or if somebody on it, like maybe somebody just misspoke when they said alternate ending. Yeah. Interesting, yeah, because I feel like that could have given some clarity on maybe if they were going in a different direction or what kind of they were planning to do. That's really interesting for sure. Hmm. Yeah, but then again, like, I couldn't find anything to substantiate that. I heard two reviews say there was an alternate ending, but then 
I couldn't find any articles that said what they were, and it wasn't on the IMDb page. So it could just be like two people were misinformed. Because I think these reviews were done by people who saw it like at film festivals before it was yeah. on Hulu. It aired at Sundance. So, and I learned. Yeah, people loved it. Yeah. I learned years ago at Sundance that once they're picked up by distribution companies, they can change endings because um, I don't know how familiar you are with Kevin Smith's Clerks, but Clerks was one oh, of yeah. my favorite. I love Clerks. And the ending, I love, shout out to my best friend Elizabeth because she made me watch Clerks in college and we used to watch it. Salsa Shark. She loves the Salsa Shark. Salsa Shark. Part. We're going to need a bigger boat. Man goes into cage. Cage goes into salsa. Shark is in the salsa. Our shark. Um, what were we saying? Oh, so we were talking yeah, about Clerks. But uh, I know Clerks. Uh, Clerks. So with the original ending, uh, Dante was shot and killed. At the end of it. Oh, yeah, I did hear about that. And so um, when it was picked up by Merrimax, they were like, uh, you know, can we talk about the ending? And they're like, why'd you end it like that? And Kevin Smith was like, I didn't know how to end it. And they're like, just end it with his best friend walking out the door. End it with Randall walking out the door. And they did. And it was amazing. And then because of that, they were able to do Clerks 2, which was also amazing. So I still haven't seen Clerks 2. I was a little afraid to watch it. It's so good. I'm always afraid to watch a second. <laughs> It, especially, it was a long span of time between the two. So I was a little bit like, I don't know if I want to watch it. Although, because Kevin Smith, I like a lot of his early stuff. Like, uh, as a Catholic schoolgirl, I scandalously saw Dogma with my friends Valerie and Kate at a sleepover after we went to a concert uh, one weekend. And we felt like we were just badasses we're like oh my god we watched a movie about catholicism that's dirty mm. so yeah everyone at film festivals though really seem to like this movie but a lot of people have had the same issues we've had with it though too so i don't think we're alone in the fact that it's like it's just a little bit of a miss yeah yeah sorry but parts of it were good it, it I did feel like I wasn't as interested in it. Like, I didn't enjoy Dogtooth. I didn't enjoy the experience of watching it because it was horrific. But I had a lot to talk about about it. And I had a lot of, like, I was enraptured by it. Like, I couldn't look away. And even though I couldn't even bear to see it a second time. Even though Climax was no problem. And Climax was pretty graphic, too. But I don't know. Climax is entertaining. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. know if I could watch IMAX again. I mean, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, I'll never watch that movie again. I mean, I could watch it, but it just it's not something that would occur to me to do naturally to rewatch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what I'm like. I'm like, I want to see it. But yeah, I don't know. I would have to wait. I don't feel it. I, it wasn't a super enjoyable experience. Do we have a rating for this movie? Because I have a couple ideas. Uh, I but... put... I I'm going to throw one, just one I wrote out. Uh, I put C for cults and Catholicism. <gasps> Mine was a C one, too. Mine was rated C for creepy crucifixes. But I think Ooh. we could also do, we could just put them all together because we could just be creepy crucifixes. What was it? Cults and Catholicism. Hmm. We could just do all three. Yes. Uh, I also had rated A for always shut the door, Mia. But, <laughs> but you know, this one, I think the creep factor is better. Yeah, so rated C for creepy crucifixes, cults, and Catholicism. That's funny. We both have the same idea. Okay. Um, so what, what, it's Brittany's turn for yeah. the movie. 
What's Brit's pick of the week? Um, I thought this one would be good. Uh, so it is streaming on Netflix right now. Um, it, I think it will give me and you a lot to talk about because God knows the first time I talked, I saw it. I wanted to talk with Taylor about it for like an hour and a half afterwards. And he was like, yes, okay, yes, yes. Um, but The Invitation on Netflix. I've been wanting to watch it. I started watching it and my boyfriend got scared and we turned it off. Yes. Yay. Okay, I've been wanting to watch that movie. I'm excited about that one. Yes. Yay, that sounds exciting. And I'm excited. It- it has some really great acting, and you'll recognize a few faces in there. I'm not going to tell you who you'll recognize, but, I mean, pretty stellar acting from a pretty diverse cast, which I think is always nice, too. Um, but anyways, uh, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Apple Podcasts. Please give us a like and subscribe to our podcast. We would love it. Uh, any final thoughts, Brittany? No, um, I'm excited about next week. Nope. I'm excited about next week. Please, guys, uh, watch The Invitation on Netflix. So you'll be here chilling with us, listening to us talk about some things. Maybe leave some comments if we did discuss something you want us to discuss on the movie. So, yeah, just feeling pretty excited about next week's episode. I know. I'm excited. I hope I like The Invitation. <laughs> like, I really hope this isn't like a dog tooth where I'm just like, why did, I, why did we watch this movie? But you've seen no, it, so I, I think maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be good because maybe it'll be okay. Because yeah. I think that's almost the mistake we've made with the ones we've been a little bit frightened of. Is neither one of us had any idea what we're getting into. But that's the fun of it, right? Right. You know, sometimes it's the climax where it's at least fun to talk about, and sometimes it's a dog tooth or this movie. What movie did we talk about? The Lodge. Great. (laughs) So thanks for listening, guys. We love you. And hopefully this won't be three hours long, but we talked for three hours. But we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing y'all next week. Watch some movies, y'all. Bye. Bye, Brittany. Thanks for listening to the Grindhouse Girls podcast recorded by Brittany Rank and Katie Dale and edited by Katie Dale. Uh, if you have any inquiries or questions for us, please visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. All rights reserved. <laughs>